What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, I got to tell you about the delicious, smooth Strava Craft coffee. You guys know all about that, but I have to tell you about their new subscription model. And if you subscribe, you save 20% with Strava Craft coffee. And we know a bunch of you have already taken advantage of our one-time code, the DNVR20 magical code, but now you can save 20% off your favorite coffee forever and you'll never have to put in your credit card information again. And you'll have the option of getting your coffee every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks and 20% off every single time you get that over at Strava Craft Coffee. So they've got a great deal for great coffee. Of course, Strava Craft Coffee is delicious coffee, but it's also CBD infused coffee. And CBD helps with aches, pains, headaches, migraines, anything that's going on, CBD helps relieve that in the body. So make sure to check out Strava Craft Coffee. Use that code DNVR20 if you're a first time user to get 20% off. And then also subscribe for 20% off every single time you order Strava Craft Coffee online. All right, Mace, let's jump into the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the DNVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Thursday edition. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my main man, Andrew Mason. And before we hop into this action-packed show, I got to tell you guys about our presenting sponsor, MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. As the whole world goes remote right now, including more and more schools, especially higher education schools, MSU Denver has already mastered the art of online learning. So why would you go anywhere else, especially because they are focused on preparing you for the life after college. So make sure to check out msudenver.edu online to see all they have to offer, including over 40 online and hybrid programs and 700 and 50 classes. So go check them out, msudenver.edu slash online. My boy, Mace, how are you doing today, my friend? Oh, so far so good, Zach. Good to hear your voice. Good to see you here on Zoom. Also, good to see and hear from Dalton Reisner and Justin Simmons today, two media stars. I have to say that if you're making a an all-Broncos media team in terms of how they are with us, how engaging they are, how intelligent they are in general, and just being all-around good people. Dalton Reisner and Justin Simmons are, are right there atop the list. Good to see them today. Good, They were all smiles, happy to be, happy to be back. They took time to talk to us after doing some conditioning and uh, some interesting stuff coming from the two of them. It certainly is, and Mace, if you're building a team of good players and good guys, I guarantee, in, in choosing people from all across the NFL, Justin Simmons is one of your safeties, and Dalton Reisner is somewhere on the offensive line, mm-hmm. and probably could play anywhere on the offensive line, as we learned today. But Mace, this was the first time that we have had the opportunity to talk to Justin Simmons since he did not get a long-term contract done before the deadline in the middle of July. And he put any drama to bed right away with an opening statement. Yeah, he came out and and said that, you know, he wanted the focus to be on the team. He didn't want it to be on himself, didn't want it to be on his contract, wanted to be focused on the season, the team. Uh, and he did, he did say it's, it's not that he wouldn't answer questions about it and didn't want to discuss it, but I, I felt like he just wanted to set the terms right away. And you know what? I love that. First of all, it's testament to what kind of person Justin Simmons is that he wants the focus to be beyond him on what the team is trying to accomplish at large. Second of all, this what I got from Justin Zach is that 
he might be disappointed about what happened. I think he, he, he did mention a, a, a disappointment that it didn't get done, but he also talked about, hey, you know, we're sitting here in this pandemic right now. He talked about the grand scheme of everything being a first time that you're facing this situation. And then later on, he, after he answered questions from the, me, from the media on the Zoom conference, did a few more questions for those of us who didn't get in on the Zoom conference, and I wasn't on that. And he said that he would definitely want to come back. He would definitely want to sign a long-term, reiterate the stuff about the reality of the current situation with the pandemic. But Justin Simmons said, quote, I'd love to be able to be here. So just because the Broncos didn't get a deal done with Justin Simmons doesn't mean he's not open to signing a long-term deal. The Broncos, they've bought themselves some time. Of course, they could franchise tag him again if they want to have him back for a second year. But the door is not closed on Justin Simmons being a long-term Bronco. Great, great news to hear, Mason, because everyone everyone wants him here. There's no one that doesn't want Justin Simmons to be a Bronco for the long term. Uh, and he also said that he's always bet on himself. He's always been underrated, and that's how he feels. This situation was, again, he was underrated. And uh, what we saw last year, Mace, is Justin Simmons playing on a one-year deal is a good thing for the Denver Broncos. Not only that, but he's year two in Vic's system, year two next to Kareem Jackson. We know Kareem Jackson is now going to be a safety. Uh, it, you, you get Boye in there. You get Callahan in there. There's nothing that says Justin Simmons shouldn't have a better year this year than he did next year. And if that's the case, well, Justin's bet paid off. No kidding. And uh, even if he doesn't get a long-term deal, if he gets franchise tagged again and then gets a big contract after that, it's still going to pay off for him. So Justin Simmons, he's in a good, he's in a good spot right now. As long as he avoids injury this year and perhaps next year, Justin Simmons is going to cash in. Now, what is interesting though, Zach, is to think about him in tandem with Kareem Jackson, because if the Broncos can get a long-term deal done with Kareem Jackson, it's not going to be, in all likelihood, the Simmons-Jackson partnership because, of course, Kareem Jackson, his contract expires after next year. It's going to probably be the Simmons and somebody else partnership beyond that if they can get a long-term deal. And that's where all the other aspects of Justin Simmons come into play, like the leadership he's showing, the, the maturation that he has displayed over the course of his five years he's probably going to have to be a leader who guides a young safety along perhaps in the next couple of years if the Broncos can make a long-term deal for Justin Simmons. And you know what? I think that responsibility, if it comes to pass, you could not find anyone better suited for that than number 31. You're 100% right, Mace. You'd feel very comfortable with Justin back there with a rookie, uh, with a guy that's simply not as good because you think that Justin would be able to make up for that. Uh, also, what crossed my mind was, why not a Justin Simmons-Will Parks duo? Since Will's on a one-year deal in Philly, I know people would love to, to see that, speaking of good guys. But uh, Mace, it, it's a really good point. And uh, of course, there's a chance Kareem Jackson, this is the final year of his deal. The first two years, pretty much fully guaranteed on his deal. And then that third year, not guaranteed at all. So a lot of uncertainty out there, which just means two guys kind of playing on contract type years. And that could, that could mean very good things for the Broncos. And Justin was very optimistic about the rest of the secondary as well. I asked him about Bryce Callahan. Um, and not having played any games with the Broncos. And he said, Bryce not only has this defense figured out, but last year, even when Bryce wasn't playing, Justin would go and ask Bryce questions because he's played in this defense his entire career, of course, being with Vic Fangio in Chicago before coming over here as a free agent last year. And that does, that does give me uh, a, a little sense of relief because – 
this guy's missed a whole year of football. But if Justin Simmons, a very smart guy, was asking Bryce, Bryce questions all throughout last year, it, it gives me a little bit of relief there. Yeah, that gives me relief. Also, hearing Justin talk about how quickly A.J. Boye has yeah. learned things and has grasped things, that gives me a sense of relief. Uh, the quote that Justin had is uh, that Boye is, quote, already on top of everything, unquote, and that he'll sometimes make the checks pre-snap before safeties do. But safeties yeah. do. And, of course, Kareem and Justin have been in the defense for a year now. A.J. Boye just arrived, so – you're pretty optimistic, at least about the starting corners, the way that Justin Simmons is presenting them. And, of course, Bryce Callahan being healthy helps out. Now, that being said, you've still got to figure out number three and number four. That answer may or may not be on the current roster, but I think you feel a little bit better about the cornerbacks just by hearing what Justin Simmons has said. And the thing about Justin is, while he's a positive person, he's not somebody who throws around a lot of false platitudes. Right. If he says a guy is doing well, the guy is doing well. Right, exactly. And Michael Ojemudia, OJ Mace, as they're calling him. I I love that nickname uh, for Michael Ojemudia, uh, doing well. And, of course, A.J. Boye, like you said, Mace, but Justin Simmons said he's a natural in this defense. And that's kind of what we talked about. Was Chris Harris – Uh, A great Denver Bronco. Absolutely. He's a future ring of famer for the Broncos. But clearly, I mean, with with the way it played out on the field, with what Chris said during and after the season, and Vic as well, he wasn't the right fit for this defense. And Boye, are you getting the same number of Pro Bowls uh, and stats that you had with Chris? No, you're not. But he has been a Pro Bowler once, and you're getting a guy – who truly does fit this defense. And sometimes a corner is good enough where it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they fit the scheme or not, but this time it does matter. It didn't, it didn't work with Chris last year. This is a scheme fit and clearly you need the right fit at corner for this defense. Okay. So let me ask you this. A lot of optimism about Boye and Callahan if they are what you expect them to be and Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson are what you expect them to be, what's, what's the ceiling for this defense? Where do you think? And also what's the ceiling and where do you think it finishes in the hierarchy, the rankings of NFL defenses? The ceiling is number one, easily the best defense in this league easily because Mace, you have the highest paid safety duo. You have the highest paid starting secondary in the NFL. You have the highest paid uh, outside linebackers. And I think if this secondary is what it could be, that means the pass rush is going to be clicking on all cylinders as well. Uh, And that includes the defensive line. And where I think they will finish, I think this will absolutely be a top five defense if the secondary comes to be what they are. And uh, I'll put them, I mean, there's no reason not for me for, for me not to go number one, if you have a, a secondary that's as good as the no-fly zone or, you know, the best secondary in the league, which that's the ceiling for this defense, then this should be uh, the number one defense because we're not even talking about the two top five picks on that defense. Yeah. It's... Oh, man. I mean, this – look, I'll be honest, Zach. If this defense stays healthy and they're not in the top five, I'll be disappointed. Oh, very disappointed. I, I totally agree. There, there should be some mm-hmm. major changes coming uh, in terms of the players on that side of the ball, if that's the case. Okay, if they're not top ten major changes. If they're top ten but, top, but not top five, I'm not saying major changes. I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed. But again, if they have injuries, more opt-outs, things like that, it sort of changes everything. But if it's status quo for most of the year, if they have a normal season in terms of injuries to keep players, right. it should be a top five defense. And that's a, a good thing for the Broncos in terms of carrying the offense through what will probably be some, what of a bumpy road as everybody learns what they're trying to do, how to go about running Pat Schirmer's offense, et cetera. But a, an offense that is having some bumps but is improving, partnered with a defense that should be top five can't believe i'm saying this zach but 
the team should be better at the end of the season than it is at the beginning. Yeah. And if they're a playoff team, as I've been calling for since last December, then they become that playoff team that maybe they're going to be sitting there as a five, six, seven seed, but they could be capable of upsetting some people. Yeah. The hot team in January is what you always want. And may speaking of carrying offenses, Dalton Reisner, of course, who carried <laughs> Philip Lindsay into the end zone last year. We talked to him as well. And as, as many good things as you can say about Justin Simmons, you can say those about Dalton Reisner as well. And it really feels like he wants to carry this offense. He wants to carry the entire offensive line in terms of being able and willing to play any position on the line and also as a leader. And this is something that all three of us have been calling for for 10 months, maybe, maybe not a full year, is Dalton Reisner needs to be given the keys to this offense. I know Drew's going to be a big leader. I know Philip Lindsay's going to be a big leader. I know Cortland Sutton's going to be a big leader. But Dalton Reisner is right there with all of those other guys, including the quarterback, in terms of the type of leader he can, should, and I think will be. The answer he gave to the question I asked about leadership as far as kind of the detail and what it meant to him and what he learned about leadership from his first year in the pros. I mean, I'm not saying I got goosebumps from it, but I am saying that is exactly what you wanted and needed to hear from him. It it was a self-aware answer. It was a humble answer. That, yep. he, that he gave in terms of talking about, you know, how he knew that he had to come in and, and learn from others that just because he was a three-time captain at Kansas state didn't mean he could walk in and be a leader in the NFL. So there was a lot of observing, a lot of looking around, but he also said that it's not just about him. It's about multiple leaders coming in. It's a, he talked about Cortland Sutton, Melvin Gordon coming in. He mentioned leading alongside Graham Glasgow. And the other thing he did mention is that it's not just being an offensive line leader, but he wants to be an offensive leader and a team leader. And I just, man, I was thinking this, Zach, as he finished his response. It was not a big deal, but an interesting deal last year that Vic Fangio did not name team captains. Yep. It was something that carried over from Matt Nagy in Chicago in 2018. Fangio worked that season under Nagy. Nagy did not name team captains. I think the time is right for Vic Fangio to name some captains for this team. Yes. In 2020. Yeah. And Dalton Reisner needs to be one of them. Yeah. And does it make sense looking back on it now for maybe why Vic didn't do that? If he knew Joe Flacco wasn't going to last the entire season, you don't really, unless it's Peyton Manning, you don't really want a quarterback with a captain. Uh, patch on him to be sitting on the bench and obviously you were never going to give it to Drew Locke and Dalton Reisner was was a rookie as well and Philip Lindsay was a second year guy so maybe hindsight 2020 it does make sense but you're absolutely right Mace you got to empower these guys especially because you kind of did the opposite last year you pushed those younger guys down and said "Uh uh-uh I'm not letting you lead this year. And Ron Leary was a perfect example of that saying, nope, too young, not going to lead, uh, uh, not going to follow that. Or not, not Ron Leary, um, Shelby Harris Shelby said, Harris. That, said that the young guys couldn't lead. Um, and uh, now you need to empower those guys and let this truly be the youth movement that it already is, but empower them. So Mace, let's, let's go with the traditional two captains on defense, two captains on offense. Let's start with offense because I mentioned five names of guys who can be legit captains. If you are Vic Fangio and you are not doing the player voting system, you are choosing. And everything we know right now, who are your captains? You know, I got to go with Drew Locke and Dalton Reisner. And that's what mine would be too. Dalton's kind of the clear one. Now, Drew is kind of the one I'm thinking about. Okay, maybe a Melvin Gordon, maybe a Cortland Sutton. but I think back to an old Vince Lombardi story. Yeah, here goes Mace. Story time with Uncle Mace. I get it. But there's a great story from when Vince Lombardi took over in Washington in 1969, and they're running sprints after practice. And the quarterback, Sonny Jurgensen, he'd be in the Hall of Fame, great passer for his era, but he was not in the best of shape. And so they're running wind sprints, and Sonny is in the middle of the pack. And then Vince Lombardi says, okay, run him again. 
and he's still in the middle of the pack. But then the, the guys kind of figure out, wait, we need to be running behind our quarterback. And so Lombardi blows the whistle, has him run again, and they all run behind Sonny Jurgensen. And then Lombardi calls it off and says, all right, that's good. Sonny's your leader. There are things that a quarterback can do as a leader that other positions can't. Right. And that's why I look at the Broncos. Dalton Reisner's a captain, but I'm also saying, hey, Drew's your leader on the offensive yeah. side. You follow him. You go where he wants. You go where he points you. Yeah, and Drew, Drew has to be a captain on this team, not just because he's the quarterback, but you're, you're riding or dying on this. And he's also taking that leadership position. Even Dalton today said Drew has taken more of a leadership role just in the first couple of weeks that these guys have been back. But why it's Dalton for me is the second captain as opposed to Cortland Sutton, as opposed to Philip Lindsay, uh, as opposed to Noah Fanch or these other young guys, is Dalton – 100% gets it. He gets that right now he's the left guard. If he needs to be the left tackle or the center for, from a player's perspective and, and on the field playing, he knows exactly what to do. He's taking extra snaps to be that left tackle if called upon. He's uh, taking the mental reps that a center needs to take. But then off the field, he knows last year that he wasn't as much of a leader as he could be or wanted to be. Uh, but he needed to get the respect of those around him. He has 100% gotten that respect. And I trust, even as a second-year guy in his early 20s, I trust that Dalton Reisner is always going to be doing the right thing. Absolutely. And he's, he hasn't done the wrong thing since he got there. Uh, look back to last year when he hurt his ankle pretty badly and he just kept going out there. So it's not only the leadership through being vocal. It's the leadership by example. It's the leadership by pushing through no matter what. He is one tough son of a gun. He is. And, and Mace, we've talked about, especially surrounding Justin Simmons, conversations of uh, you should pay guys early to get maybe a little bit of a hometown discount or what it should be more properly called, um, like an, an early bird special discount. If if you could pay Dalton Reisner right now, I would do it. I'd give him a five-year contract right now, get in on that early bird special, because I'm so confident that he's not only going to be a great leader on this team, but a great player on this team for, for a long time. I would lock him in right now. Now, of course, you can't do that because he's only in his second year. And any drafted player, you have to wait till after their third year to give him a long-term deal. But I would do it in a heartbeat. I would do it in a heartbeat. I think something to consider also is this. You know, there's a very good chance if the Broncos can get Dalton Reisner signed to a long-term deal when the time is right over the next, say, two to three years here. Now, obviously, they can't do it right now because he's only a second-year guy. But when they get Dalton Reisner signed, in my mind, I'm thinking if he stays healthy and continues to play at the level that you expect him to play at, that – Dalton Reisner is somebody who could become the best guard in the history of the Denver Broncos. And that's another reason why I am skeptical about moving him from left guard right. to right tackle. Right. And so, May, speaking of that, he talked and he was asked about potentially moving to left tackle. Uh, what did you think of what he had to say? He's willing to take one for the team if need be. And you know what? That's part of being a leader. That's part of doing the right thing. That he knows he has versatility. He, he mentioned how Mike Munchak said, hey, you know, he's a next guy up at center if the need arises. If Munchak asked him to be a center, he'd go and do it. But that being said, I personally, I want, I want to see him stay at guard and master that. And center is a little bit uh, more logical of a transition from guard than tackle tends to be, especially going from left guard to right tackle right now with Jawan James opting out. The other thing is I want him at left guard because he can help Garrett Bowles. Remember, one of the reasons they drafted Dalton Reisner in the first place was to help Garrett Bowles to kind of get him on the same page as the rest of the offensive line. Never in my years of covering football had I ever heard of a rookie being brought in to help a veteran get things down right but that's the way it is with Dalton Reisner and Garrett Bowles so I don't want to mess that up either I am doing 
my damnedest to keep Dalton Reisner at left guard, even if it means signing somebody from the outside to be my right tackle here in the next few weeks. Mace, did I hear my ears right when Dalton Reisner was talking today? Uh, I, I wanted to tweet it, but I was like, I, I don't know if he actually just said that because I, my head exploded from this comment. When he was talking about his leadership uh, and it taking off in year two, he said, of course, last year I wasn't the type of leader that I wanted to be. Did he slide in, but I was a leader for Garrett Bowles next to me? I think he did. <laughs> I think he said something like that. Now, we just heard the, the availability, and we got to go back and transcribe. So, But I thought he did say something like that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. And that is, that is just crazy. It's, and remember, they moved Ron Leary. Instead of being on the left side, they moved Ron to the right side so that Dalton uh-huh. could be not just a left guard, but next to Garrett Bowles. That is shows you all all you need to know like you said Mace I've never heard of that either where a rookie comes in to help lead one of the most important positions on the field yeah <laughs> again it's unusual but uh nothing about uh, Garrett Bowles has been typical right down to the fact that he was 24 about to be 25 when the Broncos drafted him yep. so and I agree Broncos. with you Mace um about moving Dalton to le- to left tackle right now I would rather have them sign someone else to move Dalton to left tackle because like you said if you can have the best guard in Broncos history in, in, in Dalton potentially don't mess it up now let's say he takes a little step this year and you're thinking okay maybe his ceiling isn't that high at left guard after this season and you have a full off season to be able to transition him to left tackle I'm okay with it next year then. Um, if he turns into, you know, a little a little lighter Quentin Nelson this year, oh, my gosh, you're, t- you're not moving that. Uh, are the Colts thinking about moving Quentin Nelson to left tackle? No. No, they're not. They're thinking about having him be well, the best guard in NFL history potentially. So if, if Dalton proves to be, you know, just a tick under Quentin Nelson, you're keeping him there and having him be dominant for the next decade. No question. And uh, I'd rather make sure that you get that position right, get the interior fortified. Because don't forget, as we've discussed, next year's tackle class in the draft offers plenty of chances for help. And you are getting Jawan James back next year, and certainly the plan is going to be Jawan James at right tackle. So I would prefer to figure out bridge slash one-year solutions and keep Dalton Reisner on the path at left guard to becoming a guard who I think along with Quentin Nelson could be a perennial, at least pro bowler, sometimes pushing for all pro in the future. I don't want to do anything to disrupt that. Allow Dalton Reisner to become the best left guard that he can be. Make sure that you you're developing and pushing toward having a premium player at that position you can figure out the rest over the next year or so. Mace, the Broncos players have absolutely killed the interviews that we've had with them this year. And uh, that's, that's something that I, I haven't really said in a long time, but I think it speaks to the type of players in terms of caliber on the field that they have and the guys that they have off the field. And man, we heard from Von Miller earlier this week about the leadership that he's trying to change to. If that comes to fruition and Dalton Reisner, Justin Simmons, Drew Locke, all of these other guys become the types of leaders, you may have the perfect balance of some veteran presence in there with Vaughn uh, and Kareem Jackson potentially, uh, coupled with this young youth movement that's happening. And it could be a perfect storm. Now, of course, it could be. Uh, it, it all, As Dalton said, it all has to happen. Everything looks good on paper so far, but it all has to happen. But, man, what an exciting time for the 2020 season to be starting. Well, an exciting time. Too bad everything else is sort of messed up right now. But yeah. this is. But also, you're dealing with trying to make a football team work in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a crisis. So character, you could argue, Zach, has never mattered more 
than right now. Having a bunch of guys who are who can do the right thing has never been more important because the outlook for your team depends on everybody staying home, everybody doing the right thing, and you hope that they can do that. I think the Broncos have a better shot than most because of the types of people they brought in over the last couple of years, especially since John Elway pivoted their drafting philosophy and focused more on character and leadership. Yeah, and it's truly showing right now. Of course, Justin Simmons, one of the lone people that uh, was a great character pick before really the wave really started. And man, it's always great to talk to those guys. And Mace, it's always great to talk to the people. Let's jump into the questions. Let's hear from the people. But first, I want to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR, of course. There are times when you need a little strawberry sky in your life. Breckenridge Brewery is there providing that delicious fruit beer. That's my favorite, but there's plenty of other options. If you can't decide, hey, go for that 15-can sample. You can order it through Drizzly, or if you're in the Denver area, make sure you get it over at Davidson's Liquors at Centennial in in Highlands Ranch, also available at a lot of grocery stores around the area. If you want a little more than beer, you want some dinner as well, check out the farmhouse in Littleton. If you will call from noon to 8 p.m., that you can pick up your order there with that Call them at 303-803-1380 for your meal and use that magical code DNVR. Get $5 off your meal over at the farmhouse. They'll bring it right out to your car for you. And, of course, you can order from one of their array of brews. And if you're outside the Denver area, you want to get some Breck beer, why don't you check out the Breck Beer Locator on their website. You can find the nearest outlet to you, whether it's a liquor store, convenience store, grocery store, whatever, that has some of those delicious Breckenridge Brews, Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DNVR. Mace Golf is finally here, and the first major of the year is right now. In fact, the golfers are on the course as we speak, and DraftKings Sportsbook has all of the action that you need where the golfers are in San Francisco this weekend. So make sure to check out DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, to get you covered for everything this weekend. And DraftKings is offering special odds and promotions all weekend long. And all users get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000 every day of the tournament this weekend. DraftKings Sportsbook is boosting your profits by 30%. All you have to do is opt in and place a bet. So head to the app right now and check out all they have to offer, including player props, day-by-day action, and even hole-by-hole live betting. As football season is very close as well. DraftKings Sportsbook has rolled out a season-long football pick-em pool with $2 million up for prizes. So make your picks and watch the games unfold and the winnings go right to you. Plus, DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can withdraw and deposit your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. And use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a sign-up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out with the sign-up bonus up to $1,000. Just enter the code DNVR when you sign up. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Other terms and constrictions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Shall we talk to the people, Mace? Muted! <laughs> oh, I'm not muted. No, no, I'm not muted, Zach. <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> See? Well, no. And the thing is, you called me out when I was on being muted when I'd already turned my mute off for a couple of seconds. So, <laughs> ugh, come on, Zach. I know you want to get that in, but jeez. I couldn't hear you. <laughs> oh, man. I was talking by the time, you know. Oh, Zach, come on. He's up, man. He's up. Nashville Joey. Hey, guys. First of all, thanks for the kind words on the podcast. My musician buddies and I started up. With touring on hiatus, it's been a great outlet for us, and we are really enjoying it. Curious on how many tight ends you think the Broncos will keep on the final roster. Was not surprised at all to see Hireman let go and have a strong feeling Butt will be next. He has just had so much bad luck with injuries and the addition of Vinette. With the addition of Vinette, I don't see a place for him. Thanks, boys. Also, let's start an investigation into who cursed the right tackle position for the Broncos. I've been following this team closely for 30-plus years and have never seen anything like this. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty wild. In terms of tight ends, Mesa, I think it's very clear-cut right now. I think there's four guys, including Andrew Beck. The Broncos don't really have a spot 
for a true fullback on this roster. So Vanette's going to make the team as, as a fullback slash tight end, or, or Andrew Beck is going to make the team as a fullback slash tight end. Then you have Nick Vanette is the two as the primary blocking tight end. And then you have Albert O as your third guy and your second receiving tight end. To me, it's just very, very clear cut. Yeah, and I think drafting Albert Oakwebunam back in April – in retrospect, that's the death knell as far as making the roster in all likelihood for Troy Fumagalli, Austin Fort, Jake Butt. I don't, I don't see room for Jake Butt right now. If he, if he plays exceptionally well, then maybe you think about saying, okay, do we go without a fullback and we play and, uh, and just play without that tool in our drawer and try to get Andrew Beck to the practice squad. But Jake Butt would have to be pretty amazing to pull that off. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree, Mason. And like you mentioned with the practice squad, they could stash a couple of these tight ends on the practice squad since the practice squad has grown. Um, but yeah, to me, it, it's very clear cut. Unlike last year where you were definitely going to have an Andy Janovich be a true fullback, you, you don't need that with Pat Shermer. He doesn't need that type of fullback. All right, LA Bronco 30 chiming in. Greetings, pod gents. I haven't listened yet, so sorry if this is covered, but I just finished Zach's article about Vaughn and everything he went through this offseason. I'm so excited to hear how his leadership style and offseason approach have changed for the better. Hopefully he has the best season of his career and continues to impress. But if he doesn't, do you think his value as a leader and teammate could help him in orange and blue? Even if his numbers don't impress, I would hate to see him go. But with the pandemic affecting salary cap and Vaughn being among the highest paid, I think he would need a phenomenal season to stick around. Keep up the great work. Stay safe and healthy, L.A. Bronco. Yeah, that's an interesting question because I want to see what his leadership looks like and how that manifests itself because ultimately leadership has to be true to the personality of the player. Otherwise, it's pretty inauthentic, and, uh, you, and that type of leadership is not going to work at all in a locker room. So what type of leader is Vaughn? Is this a situation where it's going to be a work ethic thing that he's recommitting himself to doing even more to get ready for the season, get ready for every game, et cetera. And then guys are just kind of following his lead a little bit like Champ Bailey was as a leader. Champ Bailey wasn't a vocal leader. Uh, Vaughn Miller, his personality, you know, he's, he's one of those guys who's really well liked. He's not somebody who like Peyton Manning or DeMarcus Ware is going to bring the fire and have the come to Jesus speech. Now, maybe that's something that grows in him and he has the ability to do as he gets into his thirties. But I think the jury is out on what kind of leader Von Miller is going to be. I think it's a positive sign that he's taking the last dance to heart, but let's see what this helps make him into. And the other thing is, even if he's a good leader, bottom line, if he's sitting there with say nine sacks this year, then I don't see how you can bring him back when you can get $18 million of cap relief into in a year where you're going to have a potential salary cap of only $175 million. I think it, unless you have a major restructure, it just doesn't add up. You can, up, you can open up over 10% of what the salary cap may be for a guy that has single-digit sacks. You're doing it in a heartbeat. And that would probably obviously destroy Broncos country for a couple of days or weeks or an entire off season. But you, you can't pay a guy over $20 million when he's got a small cap hit for back-to-back single-digit sacks. Mm. And if it is another single-digit sack season, Mace, then it's a lot harder to convince yourself that this was just a down year because now you're riding two years of that and he's only getting older. Now, Mace, you've done a great job of detailing just how because he's in his 30s doesn't mean that, that he's done. But back-to-back seasons of that in his 30s, man, it would be – I, I, I think it would be irresponsible to bring him back on that number. Now, maybe he takes a, a pay cut because he realizes what's going on, but I, it's, I think that's kind of the threshold. If he gets single-digit sacks again – I don't know how you can bring him back. Double-digit sacks, well, if it's, at, if it's at 11 sacks, that doesn't fit my uh, requirements of what I want him to see. But you can make a case that his leadership is there and that you're not going to be able to spend the money uh, in better places. So I could see him bringing him back, but single-digit sacks just won't cut it. And then the other thing to consider in the midst of all this, of course, is 
is the cash outlay because if there's a league-wide $3 billion hit, which is a number that's been thrown around a little bit, then the $175 million floor for next year's salary cap, that's as low as the cap will go, is still about $17 million above what the cap should be if you simply took $3 billion of revenue and lopped it off. So there's going to be some accounting and some borrowing involved as well. So there's a lot of moving parts to it. And if Von Miller is in single-digit sacks, I think that's going to be a painful cut, but one that unfortunately ends up coming for Von Miller, if just given the entire totality of the financial situation. And I think we're going to see a lot of painful cuts around the league after this year as well, not just potentially with the Broncos and Vaughn. Yep. And uh, I mean, we've already had three teams that have said no fans in the stands. And I think there are going to be more coming up here in the next few weeks. And that's going that, and that's going to take this revenue to a close to a worst case scenario in some spots. Count Locula. I was a maniacal Maddox Smoltz Glavin fan growing up. I'd get pissed if my mom made me miss even a single pitch of their glorious starts and saves. Even though I knew they were amazing, I don't think I realized how special it was to see that kind of dominance, especially from Maddox. Wow. Is that Count saying that, or is that me saying that? (laughs) As you're wearing your brave shirt, right, Mace? When am I not? (laughs) Who will be the player in this new era of Broncos history that will dazzle us in ways we've not seen before or likely will for a long time? Love the Count. Mm, Well, I think looking back on the Peyton Manning era, especially 2013, I I don't think Uh, I guess there's some fans that took it for granted, the ones booing at the Jacksonville game. But I think a lot of people realize that the Broncos were getting a Hall of Fame player, first ballot Hall of Fame player, one of the goats to to ever play. So I think that was people realized that Peyton was that. But now you got to look at the first round picks, right? Uh, Von Miller, I think people realize the greatness that he is. You hope Bradley Chubb can be that. And now, of course, Jerry Judy. You hope that's that's what he is. Yeah, I think Jerry Judy, if he lives up to his potential, could be that player that we end up talking about and say, hey, we haven't seen anything like that. With Bradley Chubb, if he's good, if, he's good, if he lives up to his contract, that's, that's great. But the Broncos have had some pretty good edge rushers over the years. DeMarcus Ware didn't have the numbers, but certainly made the most of his time on the field. The aforementioned Von Miller, of course, Elvis Dumerville right before him. So if Bradley Chubb is somebody who has double digit sacks year in and year out, that's great. But you can't say that you haven't seen it before from a Bronco. Jerry Jerry Judy is the one that if he lives up to the potential, I think could be the one that is the dazzler. And that's a good point, Mace, because right now the Broncos don't have a wide receiver in the Hall of Fame. And uh, mm-hmm. let's say he is that. Well, it'd be something that we've never seen before. True, true, true. Bobby Lanks, gents, what implications could delaying a college football season to the spring due to the NFL draft and prospects? The question comes from a few college players already choosing to forego this season and enter the draft. As always, the sunsets are orange for a reason. Drew Locke is going to bring in the new offense like that firework factory, unexplained explosiveness. By the way, you see his own line at Missouri was very unimpressed with the tackle position compared to the defensive talent they faced on a weekly basis in the SEC. This isn't new for Drew. The lawnmower 3.0 cannot be oversold. Who knew what illumination could do to bring the unveiling to the next level? Wow. <laughs> Love the testimony that, there. That's an interesting testimony. That's a little <laughs> too much information for me, but thank you for patronizing the lawnmower. And, and uh, thank you for supporting our sponsors. We really appreciate that. Okay. The draft, this is interesting. So now we've, you know, we've had two guys officially opt out. We're expecting to see another. We've had, it's a, a relatively minor FBS school opt out, but still I somehow don't think that Connecticut is going to be the last school that opts out of the season. They can't gather for practices in California. UCLA currently has an outbreak of eight players. So and we're seeing high schools that are going to the spring as well. So let's live in this world where there's a spring season. What does that look like in terms of the draft? Man, it, what, what are we talking a spring season? Are we talking January 1st to March 1st? 
then I think that the NFL will try to keep the draft as normal as possible, although that would affect the combine. So the combine will be pushed back. But Mace, what if the spring season is similar to what Colorado high school football has done? And it's March 1st to May 1st. That would kind of fit more of the spring time. Well, you're probably not having the combine at the start of the college football season. You're probably not having the draft midway through the college football season. I mean, it it would flip it on its head, right? It would. Now, let's consider this for a moment. In any given year, you've you've got about 600 players that are rookies that are entering the NFL, right? Because you figure drafted players plus – undrafted players the an fbs school has 85 players on scholarship and uh, you know about a quarter of those are are seniors so but just taking fbs here you are going to have roughly 20 you know roughly 26,000 players Throughout, throughout FBS that are coming out in any given year. Mm. Now, a lot of them are backups and, uh, you know, and, and, and fringe players, but the, the, this is my point. College football, I think if it does have a spring season, I believe it starts in February and goes through April. Okay. And should college football not have a spring season just because they're thinking about the NFL draft and the NFL and those 600 guys – I mean, that's right. a relatively small percentage right. of this. It's basically one – it's, it's about one out of every 50 seniors wow. in college football that's going to be subject to the draft to the draft and undrafted rookie process. So I think college football needs to make the best decision for itself and not think about the NFL draft. And, yeah, if this happens, I think you'll see a lot of players opt out. And – with everything going on, I discussed this on the radio yesterday and said, you know, we've got some, we've got potentially three first rounders who are either seriously considering or have already opted, opted out of the draft process. But if you get a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin Fields that says, Hey, I'm out, I'm just going to go get ready for the draft. I think that's the domino that ends up tilt that ends up sending college football tumbling toward a spring season, no matter what else happens. Yeah, Mace, I, I agree with you. And Mace, why would a Trevor Lawrence or a Justin – okay, let, let's take Trevor Lawrence specifically. Why would Trevor Lawrence play this year? Uh, for the love of the game and the love of his teammates. That, that's it, right? But Yeah, that's it. But the thing is, what is college for for all of us? It's for getting an education and setting us up for whatever our life's work is going to be, whatever our job is going to be uh, that allows us to make a living and be a productive member of society. That's what college is all about. And Trevor Lawrence, I think, has set himself up for what his career is going to be. Justin Fields, I think, has done the same thing. A lot of these guys have, done, have already done that. So if that's the case, why would you go out there and play? I mean, beyond just that burning desire. And I think there'll be some guys who are first, second round caliber talents who say, I'm going to play. Now, the impact on the NFL, on the NFL calendar, obviously you can't have the combine for the guys that are still playing. So it is possible that the entire process does get pushed back a little bit. Now, one of the things I could see happening is that if you push back the the draft to say early June, then maybe that month of May becomes compressed. Instead of doing the All Star games and do and and having the a traditional combine, maybe you have a combine, but it is only about medical checks and getting standardized heights and weights. Right. Right. So, yeah, it it'll be different. That not is, running the forty, not in, not right. anything of that, not anything of that nature. So it would look different. But I think uh, the other thing I think would happen, and this is something that uh, a lot of a lot of people think about. And actually, I asked Lee Steinberg when we had him on the radio about this. Of course, the agent of a lot of great players over the years, including Patrick Mahomes, right now. And I said, "Do you think that there are?" I asked him, "Do you think that there are mistakes made because the draft is?" is three and a half, four months after college football season. He, he said he thought there were because you're getting farther away from 
the film and you allow a lot of other things to kind of set in as far as what they do in the workouts, what they do in the pro day, et cetera, rather than just really sticking to the film as the primary evaluation. He felt like the teams made mistakes that they wouldn't have made if the draft were, say, in January. So I think it's a weird thing, Zach. This, the draft industrial complex, as it were, has become another season onto itself. But I bet you if the season were in the spring and then you had the draft right after that, and don't get me wrong, you think there would be a lot of players who played who'd be in the draft process, especially as you get to rounds three, four, five, six, seven. I think there'd be fewer mistakes made. Just, yeah. thought, just a thought and a theory that I have. Well, that's a really good point, Mace. And also, you don't need a long draft season. That you, you Teams want it because they think the opposite, Mace. They think, we can't have too much data on these guys. But you don't need it. So it's okay instead of having three or four months leading up to the draft if it's one. Actually, the biggest group of people who needs it, it's us. It's the media because it effectively becomes another season. The way I view my annual calendar is that there's the regular season and then there's draft season, draft slash free agency, which goes from February or late January with the senior bowl and the shrine that take a couple weeks off in February and then come right back for the combine, everything else right up until the draft. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And guys, don't listen to me when I say this. Listen to Bobby Lanks. He says, the lawnmower 3.0 cannot be oversold. Who knew what illumination could do to bring the unveiling to the next level? And the reason why it can't be oversold, Mace, is because at manscaped.com, you can get the lawnmower 3.0, which has that LED light, which has a 90-minute battery life, so you can take it wherever you want. And they spent 18 months making it the perfect lawnmower 3.0. That's why I say they're not even going to make need to make a lawnmower 4.0 because it is perfect. And guys, if you use the magical code DNVR20 at manscaped.com, you'll get 20% off your entire purchase at Manscaped and free shipping. So when you're there getting a lawnmower 3.0, might as well get it in the perfect package, which also comes with the disposable with, with disposable shaving mats. It comes with the travel bag. It comes with the crop preserver, the crop reviver, everything you need for below the belt. But why don't you throw in the Shears 2.0 nail kit as well, which helps keep those nails perfect. And it helps keep it. You can pluck your eyebrows with everything in the Shears 2.0. Really just helps keep you trimmed up below the belt above the belt where it's visible where it's not so make sure to check out manscaped.com use that magical code dnvr20 at manscaped.com for 20 percent off your entire purchase with free shipping check them out manscaped.com code dnvr20 you're clean down there that means you're ready to go play golf maybe you want to play golf while you're watching the pga championship this weekend because hey golf is a television sport let's face it it's a bit slow so why not fill that time when guys are just walking up the fairway, lottie dying, lottie dying their way around Harding Park by playing WGT golf at the and joining the DNVR three clubhouse. You can join by joining by going to DNVRgolf.com. It's not only the most popular golf game in the world, it's the official gaming partner of DNVR. You can play WGT golf on your couch, anywhere you go, whatever device you have, there's a, there's a game for that. I've got it on my iPhone. I've got it on my iPad. You can play some great courses from around the world, including Beth Page Black, St. Andrews, Pebble Beach. And, of course, you can play the Ocean Course at Kiowa Island, where the PGA is going to be next year. That DNVR3 clubhouse that I mentioned, it's our third clubhouse. We've had so many members. We have DNVR, DNVR2, and now DNVR3. But when we have a tournament, you have the same access, the same privileges, the same fun that you have in either of the first two clubhouses. And, of course, if you like playing with certain brands, you can play with virtual versions of those brands on WGT Golf, the official gaming partner of DNVR. Go to dnvrgolf.com and download WGT Golf today. World of Suck chimes in says, as I write this, the Rockies are 8-2, and two, the Nuggets are 2-1, and one, and the Avs are 2-0. and oh. No city in America has had more reason to enjoy the return of sports than Denver. And that's just the last two weeks. If you extend back to March when the sports leagues shut down, then we can bring the NFL draft and free agency into the conversation. And the Broncos had arguably the best offseason of the entire league by bringing in Judy Hamler, Cushenberry, Melvin Gordon, Drell Casey, and A.J. Boye. So 
Here's my question for you fine folks on this feel good Friday Eve. Are we standing at the cusp of the golden era of Denver sports? And what would it take to make the next five years the greatest five years in Denver sports history? It's a great time to be a Denver sports fan, and I'm stoked to have DNVR to roll with. We are Denver. Okay, this is really simple. Because from 96 through 2001, yeah. Denver had four championships, two for the Avs and two for the Broncos. The Rockies were competitive. They were, the, you know, they were at the height of the Blake Street Bombers era, even though they weren't a playoff team. And the Nuggets, unfortunately, for that period were trash. <laughs> so there are two ways in which it could be better than that time. Number one, if there are five championships that come from the Denver major pro sports teams. But here's another metric. Number two, if, if at least three of the four teams win at least once. Oh, okay. I so like that. that. Was, so so 75% <laughs> of the teams in Denver get a championship in the next five years. That's what would – I think that is something that would separate it because – you know, in that from after '95, when the Rockies made the playoffs, they didn't go back again until '07. So that '96 to '01 period to match that, uh, you'd have to they'd have to be more competitive. So basically, you have no you have no weak you have no weak links among the the four major teams in Denver, and at least three of them win. I think that's something that would make it better. I like that. So, Mace, my question to you is, which one would you choose between those two options? But here's the caveat you don't get to choose the teams within those situations. Well, winning one title is good, but if you have a if you have two of them that win two, you're talking about dynasty type of stuff. Yeah. So, I would actually go with that and I would say this, if you're ranking the teams that are most likely to win it all, I think you start with the Avs. Yeah. That's a championship core. After seeing this glimpse of MPJ, seeing what he could be, I think the Nuggets are right there behind the Avs. Yeah. Yeah. If, if MPJ is this, then you have the formula. You have two superstars and, uh, you know, a half superstar uh, on the team as well. That's what you need in the NBA. Right. And then I hate to say this, as promising as the Broncos are, they're coming in fourth. I've got the Rockies wow. third right now. But, wow. and the, the, the thing with the Rockies is this. You, in baseball, you can have that kind of random run through the postseason. The, the Rockies almost had it in 07, but you can just get hot at the right time. You don't have to be the best team in baseball to win it all. You just have to be the best team in October and, you get, and just get in and then be that best team in October. Right now, the Rockies look like they'll be a playoff team. It's just a matter of whether they're going to be hot in October, but uh, – yeah. Now, a year from now, I may be flipping that and saying the Rockies are the least likely because I think the Rockies, the, their window is fragile and it rests upon what we're seeing in terms of their starting pitching right now, which looks excellent. Yeah. And Mace, um, there could be an argument that the Broncos maybe are even at the top in one year from now of this list if Drew Locke shows that he's the guy, but just something that you're never going for the next five years, at least, you're not going to be a takeaway is that you got to go through Kansas City. And I don't think any of these other teams have that uh, tough of a team and an opponent and a player in their own division. So that's, that, that's just something that's part of the equation. Very, very true. Arc IT snatches. Hey, guys, I'll cut to the chase. Today is for the Tennessee Titans, Houston Oilers. Simply put, it's not what it used to be. Oddly enough, even though this matchup dates back to the founding of the AFL, the Titans and Broncos have only faced off seven times since the team rebranded and moved to Nashville in 99. Never in Memphis, but have faced off 41 times. The last time they met in the playoffs, Elway led a yet another comeback to stun Warren Moon's Oilers in 91. For you, what was the best game? Mace, I'd ask, but it's slim pickings. I'm going with the 1983 Tank Bowl. Yeah, the Tank Bowl, both the uh... – both the Oilers and Bucks were one and eleven going into a game that they played on Thanksgiving weekend at Tampa Stadium. That is just incredible. <laughs> and the Bucks did not have their first round pick for the next year because they traded away for Jack D. Throwing Samoan Thompson. A common theme of Bucks history is 
foolishly trading away future first round picks for bad quarterbacks like Chris Chandler and Jack and Jack Thompson. So there's Boy. actually there's actually a moment on a really great moment on John McKay's coaches show around that time when he, on air he realizes that the the coaches that had Jack Thompson got fired pretty quickly after that. He's like, whew. <laughs> man maybe the most notable moment from a broncos texans game mace oh no no we're talking we're talking titans Tit- titans ah, and yes 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 of course of course yeah. um boy what's the best game mace well i mean if you'll go the oilers it has to be the drive two on uh january right. on january 4th 1992 yeah cool. starting again and driving downfield and then Gary Kubiak with the great hold of the bad snap, getting it down for David Treadwell to knock it through and win the game. That's th- that's the moment. That and that one is going to be very hard to top, no matter uh, what the Titans uh, do in the future. Yeah, you're you're 100 right. All right, let's speed round this. Girth Daddy, a little behind on pods, so this probably's been talked about. And I also know RK is going to like this idea. But what about Reisner at right tackle and Elijah Muti at left guard? Yes, I know Reisner's a good guard, but we at least have guys that fit there and can play. In terms of tackle, in terms of tackles, we don't really have anyone with the size or ability besides Reisner. Even if it's just experientially or for the year, I think we have to give it a shot. Thanks, gents. I think, man, if the, if this was in the middle of the off season, I'd be more okay with it. But just where we are right now, I don't think you can do it. LDJ, love the pod yesterday. Vaughn's comments lately are very interesting. On one hand, Vaughn's attack to the offseason excites me, but him as a leader is very interesting to me and how that translates in terms of culture of winning. I think one important thing this team is missing is the will or culture of winning. We should have been 9-7 and seven or even 10-6, and six, but we let it come down to one or two plays that kept finding ways to lose. I don't know. I just see who Cortland is, who Phil is, who Dalton is. I can look at them and the Drew and see it. I didn't see Vaughn in the leadership galvanizing the team role. I saw him more so like, the, like this is these guys' team. It's time to pass the torch and follow their lead how i saw vaughn evolving but if he has a new approach to things i welcome it because it's Jawan thing james thing i swear i need a press conference from dalton asap because i'm trying to find peace of mind about Jawan james and i haven't i'm so frustrated about him what's your best case scenario for this o-line to be top 20 with what we have now and how can vaughn drew and the rest of the team keep everyone locked on given the catastrophic nature we have at tackle well you know what i'm sorry i don't think this offensive line is going to be top 20 not this oh, year. Gosh, if that's like the bar, that's that's brutal. But Mace, yeah. you, you you have plenty to go with you. You have two good guards. You have a question mark at center, and and even if it's good, it's he's still a rookie with Lloyd Cushenberry. I think he's going to be good, but he's a rookie. And then two yeah. massive massive holes at tackle. And like I said yesterday, would you rather have a stud interior offensive line like the Broncos could have and bad tackles, or stud tackles and bad interior? The answer is easy. You take the tackles the good mm-hmm. tackles every day. And that's unfortunately not what the Broncos have. To be honest with you, I think the best case scenario for this offensive line is 20th. Oh no. This year. Oh this year. yikes. True champ fan 24 says y'all mentioned Shane Ray yesterday. I've been thinking about this for the last couple of months. Why not offer him a minimum deal? He did not play last season, should be completely healed, and it looks like he's been staying in great shape with Vaughn. I know that means we would have to move on from someone else, but honestly, I'm fine with saying see you later to old Josie on the inside and bringing in another pass rusher to fill in for Vaughn and Bradley during those off snaps. I like the sound of Reed, Ray, Jones, and Harris more than Reed, Atachu, Jones, and Harris. Well, the basic problem with that is Shane Ray's not an inside linebacker, and you don't want him playing inside linebacker. Right. So if you're bringing Shane Ray, it's at the expense of Malik Reed, Jerry Atachu, Derek Tuska. Right. And, I mean, you could argue for that and say, okay, he's got the potential. The thing is, is the wrist even right? And, and that's, that's the big thing for him uh, is, is the, the state of that wrist. And it's not just that, Mace, but the way Shane left the organization – was just not good i maybe he gets a shot somewhere else i i would be blown away to see it be with the broncos just because of it wasn't just the final day when he left he was not happy there for the final year he was there if not even more yep and finally the other ryan who opens with my boys 
in May, Vic Fangio said, I think everybody in the NFL is working towards everything starting on time, having a full season, and then we'll INA, improvise and adjust if we need to. And yesterday, he further articulated, I don't think it matters where you are in your coaching career. This is new for everybody. Nobody has experience in this. The great ones can INA it, improvise and adjust. What is something that each of you has done personally and professionally to improvise and adjust? Was one area you think that the Broncos will need to best improvise and adjust to increase their chances of qualifying for the playoffs this season after a four-year hiatus? We, we, we were pressed for time. So just, Zach, what do you think the Broncos need to best improvise and adjust? Oh, boy, with their offense. They need to make their offense simple. They can't have the full Pat Shermer offense this year. You got you to gotta make it smaller. Well put, well put. I agree with you on that. I leave you with a quote that was given by Marlon K. Jensen in a March 2001 address, which has turned out to be quite prescient to what we've experienced and are enduring in 2020. Quote, contemplate the advantages of life in a society in which considerations of status were only secondary, where citizens were more concerned with their responsibilities and their rights, and where those in authority might even occasionally step forward and humbly acknowledge I could be wrong. Must our need to be right be so all-consuming? Surely this intolerance of others and their viewpoints is nothing less than the hubris the Greeks viewed and warned against as a suicidal sin. One wonders how differently even world, recent world history might be if written, written it, or pardon me, one wonders how differently even recent world history might be written if its principal participants had yielded the gentle nudgings of humility, unquote. DMV Army salute. Well put. Never heard that quote before, but it's very apropos. Very well put, and I love it. And may something else I love, taking care of my teeth, and the best place to do that is at Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area, and they're extreme Colorado sports fans just like us. They're only a 15-minute drive from downtown Denver, a longtime DNVR partner. They've shown us the love before we even called DNVR, so make sure to show them the love as well because they treat you like family as well. And here's the kicker. If you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. You just take care of your teeth to have Green Mountain Dental hand over a free Sonicare toothbrush. So check out Green Mountain Dental. Schedule that cleaning, x-ray, and exam. Get yourself a free Sonicare toothbrush. Well, that'll do it for this terrific Thursday episode. For my man, Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Thank you all so much for, for rolling with us today. I truly mean it. It means so much. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Have a fantastic Thursday.